Welcome to the Football Journeys podcast with just me, Matt Hemsworth. It's been a while since we've done a breakout episode and this is one that's really personal to me. Um, I want to talk about hearing loss in football, well actually as it applies to everyday life, but bringing football and football element into it. Um, if you're hard of hearing yourself, this whole podcast we've made available on our YouTube channel as a vodcast with captions. So if you go to youtube.com slash b5consultancy, click on the bottom of the screen on the CC, you'll get auto-generated captions and look, if you're hard of hearing, you already know that. Um, now, I don't watch much TV nowadays without putting the subtitles on. It's become a big factor in our household. In fact, I think it's genuinely improved my kids' comprehension and reading skills, but it's become a real crutch for me, really, really important. And so many people are impacted by hearing loss across the country. Now, it depends where you get your statistics from, but the stats suggest it's something like one in five, one in six. And in fact, some, uh, uh, some literature that I saw recently from GB Deaf Football suggested that 11 million people in the UK and 9 million people in England are impacted by hearing loss. Slightly selfishly, when we did our podcast with Jack Russell recently, um, I managed to pick up the conversation about his own hearing loss. As a result of being a victim of a serious assault, uh, Jack's deaf in one ear. So I used that as an opportunity to talk about my experiences and talk about his, and I found it so liberating to do so. And that's what's motivated me to talk about it a bit more detail now. For many people, hearing loss is a hidden challenge. It's something that they're ashamed about, embarrassed about, and that certainly was the case for me. Before I got hearing aids though, it started to become a huge problem for me. I was avoiding social situations, I was missing crucial parts of work meetings, uh, presentations, interactions. I was guessing what people were saying to me. I embarrassed myself, I looked stupid, and I shrank further and further into myself and was avoiding situations. Um, it was holding me back. Now, of course, if I was struggling with my sight, I would go straight to an optician's and get myself a trendy pair of glasses. But, of course, no one says you look great and sophisticated wearing hearing aids. Um, the same doesn't apply to hearing aids as applied to glasses, it seems. And I'm really ashamed to say that it was vanity that held me back. It's something that I did um, six years ago now, but frankly, it was at least five years too late. It's something I should have sorted out a long, long time ago. Um, as soon as I got hearing aids, I started bounding over to people to start conversations. I became much more confident in one-on-one -on -one situations. Um, I knew I wouldn't misunderstand what people were saying. Um, I knew that I could be myself, my true self. Um, so if you are listening to this and you're putting off a trip to the audiologist, please, please, please go soon. Um, there have been very few deaf or partially deaf icons in society. Um, maybe Beethoven is a little bit of an exception. Um, I mean the composer, not the massive dog from the 90s film. That did change a little bit recently with Rose Aileen Ellis. Um, she's an EastEnders actor. She appeared on Strictly Come Dancing in 2021. And her advocacy in recent times has been massive for people with hearing difficulties, the deaf community and everything else. Um, I am not ashamed to admit that when she was on Strictly Come Dancing, she performed an incredible routine. Uh, and as part of the routine, the music stopped and she performed in silence. And I'm not ashamed to say that I was brought to tears by that. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, we've recently had Deaf Awareness Week and she's been talking a lot during that. She's so articulate. Uh, in helping others to understand the challenges that deaf people have and partially deaf people have. Now, the thing is with challenges, and we've been really lucky on this podcast to have people like uh, Peter Mitchell on the last episode. We've had David Clark. Uh, we've had Sean Whiter, who we're now working with. Uh, incredible Paralympian we've got coming up in a future episode. We learn about those physical challenges and what that means to those people on a day-to-day -day basis, but also 
what able-bodied people can do to help. Um, now, Rose spoke recently on Loose Women. I'm, I'm sure that she will forgive me, and I hope the producers of Loose Women will forgive me if we play a short clip of what she said on that. One in four hearing people have mental health, but one in two deaf people have mental health issues. And we're already so small. And whether that came from isolation, it probably come from isolation, not being included and stuff. For example, a lot of people assume that your problem is that you can't hear. But, okay, we can't hear, but that's not the problem. I love that I can't hear, I love it. Because I can go on a plane and there's a baby crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't love you. But what the, it's the attitude of, for, for example, um, customer service on a phone. It's really difficult because I could email them, but it takes days for them to reply. But so I, okay, I can call them through my interpreter or call them through text service. Mm. So I'm making adapting, I'm doing all the work to adapt for that person to be able to communicate with me. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then when they do, they just think you're, I don't know, a spam or that you're a hacker or that it's not secure enough. And they hung up on you. And it, mm. it kind of like, that was kind of a bit of a metaphor of what, is that, I'm doing all the work to adapt for you guys, mm. but can't you just meet me halfway? And when you don't meet me halfway, I feel more isolated and occlusive, and I'm not part of this. I want to be able to store out my banking, and I'm doing all the work, but... Mm. Yeah. It's also interesting, though, that you said there that you, you said you love being deaf. Whereas I guess most of the hearing community would probably imagine, and I think wrongly, that you would change it if you could, but you wouldn't. Yeah, if someone offered me a chance to become here and I would say, no, I love being deaf, it's part of who I am. Now that last bit that Rose says uh, reminds me so much of David Clark, who, who incidentally I'm going for a walk with tonight. Um, because of my hard hearing, I can't imagine what a life without sight looks like. But David has had an incredible life with four senses. Now he said on our podcast, he said to me before he wouldn't want a fifth sense, um, I don't think you'd ever say he was glad that he had glaucoma, but he doesn't need that sense now because everything he's achieved has been with four senses. He wouldn't know what to do with sight. Being blind is a part of who he is. Now, I don't want to overplay my own hearing loss. I wouldn't qualify for the England deaf football team if I was any good, which I'm not, frankly. Um, but my hearing loss isn't that profound. But it is a common problem. It impacts everyday lives. It impacts my lives. It impacts me when I do play football on a Sunday night. So I want to dig a little bit deeper in this episode. Finding out some of the hidden stories from football was a really fun part of this. Researching this uh, episode has been great. Uh, one thing that I didn't know uh, is that Bobby Robson, Sir Bobby Robson, one of my all-time heroes, someone that combined being a hugely successful football manager with being a good human being, which is something that I greatly admire. Um, he's partially deaf in one ear. His condition was so serious um, that he didn't qualify for national service uh, in the 1950s. Um, and actually learning that about Sir Bobby made me reframe some of the stories that I'd heard about him. There's a kind of constant jokes about him getting people's names wrong. And there was one particular story from the World Cup Mexico 1986 that the players tell. Um, it, the story goes that Beverly Hills Cop was a massive movie at that time. And the song from that movie was The Heat Is On. And players like Glenn Hoddle were around the camp in the boiling hot heat in Mexico and they were singing. The heat is on, 
Now that resulted in Sir Bobby already paranoid about the heat in Mexico and how it was impacting the squads, um, scrabbling around, touching the radiators and repeating over and over again, the heaters are on, the heaters are on, the heaters are on. Now, obviously, I totally reframe that story now because he's genuinely mishearing that. He genuinely thinks the players are saying that the heaters are on. And that kind of ridicule that he was exposed to, even if it was light-hearted, you kind of miss the element of actually he was struggling in that respect because he was mishearing what people were saying. Now, that's not to say that we can't laugh about things, that we can't laugh about mishearings and misunderstandings that people with hearing loss um, suffer with. And in fact, we, you know, we laugh about these things in my house all the time. Um, but there is no doubt that there's a certain amount of shame and embarrassment that comes, certainly from me, and I, I know most people that suffer from hearing loss. And I think it's important that people that don't suffer from that understand that. Um, that perception that we're stupid for not understanding, that element where people sometimes will get too frustrated that we've not understood things. Um, it's really important, I think, that we're sensitive to each other and each other's challenges. And actually to make, to bring the uh, analogy to a different challenge with Sean Whiter, Sean makes fun of, uh, what's it he calls his Swiss army knife of legs. Uh, he gets called Inspector Gadget with all the different wheelchairs, legs, short legs, long legs, running legs, and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think the real test is when people have got challenges is, as long as they are included in that joke, then that is okay. We can touch on these things, we can have humour in them, but it's when they are excluding of people, that is where it becomes a problem, that's where it becomes frustration, that's where shame and embarrassment comes in. Now that brings me nicely to another uh, deaf footballer, I'm just Googling deaf footballers, the legendary pre-war Arsenal winger Cliff Bastin. Um, he had terrible hearing loss, his hearing loss was so severe that he avoided a call up to World War II, so he ended up serving his time during World War II, this super fit, esteemed footballer as an air raid warden around the Highbury area. Now that didn't stop the fascist Italian government at the time putting out their propaganda. They claimed that Bastin had been captured during the Battle of Crete and he was a prisoner of war. Now it just goes to show that fake news isn't necessarily a new thing. Bastin himself had fun with it and was very, very happy to put the record straight. Um, I absolutely love history. If we don't know about our past, then we're destined to not learn from it and repeat the mistakes from, from previously. In 2023, I genuinely think we're in a much better position because uh, we're so much more conscious of language, how it impacts people. Um, so it's quite interesting to look back about how things were a long time ago. So how is this report from 1925? Scottish footballer, Harry Cowan. Among the outstanding players with the new Bedford team is Cowan, a mute who plays a fullback position. A mute. Perhaps with a bit more understanding from society, you may have been able to communicate with hearing people and not be considered simply a mute. So what of modern day football players who are deaf? Well, look, there's probably a lot more of them than you'd expect. A lot of deaf or partially deaf players play across the leagues and non-league football, across women's football, um, and you may not even realise that they are deaf or partially deaf. Um, there's also representative football though, and deaf football, in both 11 aside and futsal. Now in exploring hearing loss and, and deafness in football, I've been lucky enough to get to know in recent weeks two of the more experienced players in the England deaf women's football team, Claire Stancliffe and Kira Toll. Um, the team are due to play in the Deaf World Cup in Malaysia later this year, but there's only one problem, they've got no funding. The men's 11 aside team has funding, uh, the women's futsal team has funding, but the England deaf women's football team are having to fund the trip themselves. Now, you won't be surprised to hear that flying a complete squad out to Malaysia is expensive. They're currently trying to raise £50,000 by the end of June uh, to do so. Now, if they're not able to do that, they're simply not going to be able to go across to the World Cup.
Claire and Kara have played at World Cup before. They finished third in the 2016 tournament in Italy. But when they found out that we weren't, they weren't going to be funded for this tournament, uh, Claire, who's a veteran of eight international tournaments, wouldn't give up. I'll let her pick up the story, but if there's a slight delay in her answers to me, that's because we're talking through Zoom's auto-captions, where all my words were coming up on her screens for her to read. It really is truly remarkable. We found out that um, the World Cup was going to be in 2023. Um, it was initially going to be in 2020 in South Korea, but obviously COVID hit and that meant it was postponed. Um, and finally, they agreed a date um, of September this year. Um, and we... We were under the impression that we're going at England funded um, and probably until about November last year, that's when questions and like maybe the FA were a bit undecisive about sending the team. Um, and that's when they kind of informed us that we were looking at changing back to futsal. Um, and they were definitely not going to do 11 aside no matter what. Um, but it's only just been formalised in April. No, they made that decision. It was approved then. Here, both you and Claire played in a World Cup. Um, I think Claire's got even more tournaments than you. She's got eight, but you played tournament football. So you've done it before. But obviously, this is a mixed group. How important is it? Well, for, one for you as an individual, but also for the rest of the team, but then also for deaf and partially deaf little girls who love football. Yeah, I think it's really important that we can do this because I think we're going to try and follow on from the success of the of the women's um, European uh, last year and being able to to showcase that there is a competition for for deaf, deaf footballers and not just the women but for the men as well for anyone that's coming up. It's important that we can show them that there is something for them to work towards and you know just like in the the normal football pathway. We have a pathway for, for young girls, young boys out there who are deaf, hard of hearing, and that they can aspire to. And for me, it's really important to be able to showcase that. And, and both of you two um, play hearing football. Um, and it sounds strange to call it hearing football, but you often have to differentiate. Um, Claire, you're playing at St Ives Town at the moment. Um, could you talk to me about the challenges that come when you're deaf or, or partially deaf to playing in a hearing group? Yeah, I mean, there's probably so much I could say about this. Um, but I think for me personally, one thing that probably misunderstood is the fact that at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm lit reading all day. And to then have to go to football training in the dark during the winter where I'm having to really concentrate to understand what's going on. It is so hard. Um, and I don't get back till 11 o'clock in the evening sometimes because I have to travel. So it's exhausting doing that. Um, I'm really lucky that my coach, Ben, who, who's very aware and he always comes up to me and checks, but I don't think people understand how much I miss out on. Uh, things like being in the training rooms, I miss out on all the banter. I just sit there like looking probably like the most boring person in in the team but the thing is I can't understand what's going on so I'm not going to get involved whereas when I'm with the deaf team it's completely different I'm, I'm always talking I'm always getting involved um so yeah I think that's the biggest difference for me yeah that isolation it's um I feel like an imposter when we've met before I've said this to you because obviously my hearing is not as um my loss is not as profound as yours 
But you said two things there, that feeling of isolation, that was the big thing that made me get hearing aids eventually because I was isolating myself in social situations. So it must be even more isolating for you. Um, but the other thing is, um, and I don't think people who have great hearing understand this, I do do this. As my hearing is not as bad as yours. My hearing aids are obviously not as powerful as yours. But at the end of a, a busy day when I've been out, I will pull my hearing aids out and it is a wonderful feeling, that feeling of just, is it, it, there's an exhaustion about the artificial sounds. And and if I could ask you about particularly your hearing implant, it's a cochlear hearing implant. Can you explain kind of exactly how that helps you and actually also how it hinders you and then how it works in terms of when you're playing hearing football and deaf football? Yeah, so uh, with the cochlear implant, you have an electrode that's placed inside the cochlea, uh, which provides artificial sound to all parts of the cochlea. Um, and initially, people have to rehab. So you have to learn what sounds are. So at the start, I think for me, everything sounded robotic, whereas now it all sounds quite natural. Um, but I still can't understand speech. I still have to lip read and things like that. So when it comes to playing football with my hearing team, um, I'm pretty much deaf. I can't hear what's going on. So when I'm playing, I haven't got a clue what's going on around me, um, hearing-wise. I can't hear the whistle. Um, I don't know if someone's shouting man on or calling their name or anything like that. So personally, it's probably, I might as well play without my cochlear implant, but it's just something I'm used to and I just like wearing it. And and you so you wear it when you play hearing um, football? And it's the one thing that when you told me that, I found it really surprising because I've got a set of hearing aids and I was vain enough to get a privately funded pair um, and they were very expensive. And the one thing that the audiologist, audiologist said is don't play sport wearing these for two reasons, they'll get wet and they'll damage them. And the other thing I'm petrified about, is it falling out? I mean, if you had any mishaps whilst wearing hearing aids? Well, personally, I've had um, a, a ball hit my cochlear implant and it snapped the actual elbow of the implant. So I had to have that replaced. It meant I had to be, I think I was in sinus for about two weeks, which was really, really tough. I mean, I couldn't work um, because I was working in school with children. So it just wasn't safe for me to do that. Um, but we're really lucky to have the NHS. You know, if anything goes wrong, we can go to them. But it's something we take for granted sometimes. And, and, and Kira, as to you, I mean... Again, your hearing is obviously a, a lot worse than mine. I think your hearing is not quite as profound a loss as, um, as Claire's. Um, you, you've also played hearing football as well. I mean, do you wear hearing aids when you play and what impact has it had on, on you? I mean, you were nodding when Claire was talking about that isolation element as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I completely um, agree with what Claire was saying on the isolation issue. And I think... Maybe the biggest problem was, like Claire said, in the changing rooms, um, but also out there on the training pitch as well, when, you know, you've got so much training of a noise, you've got obviously the weather as well, if the coach is 100 miles away or something, and he's saying something, everybody else gets that, but you don't. Um, there's another thing that annoys me sometimes, and I completely get it in a football sense, is when they, they change the rules or they change the um, instruction when they're in the middle of the drill. And of course, you don't, you don't notice that. And he might say something like, I don't know, switch ends or something like that. 
But you've not heard it. Everybody else has heard that they've made the team, but you haven't. So you're just sort of standing around thinking, what, what's going on? Um, in terms of my hearing aids, I, I stopped wearing them when I'm playing. doesn't matter if it's hearing football um, or with deaf football, we can't wear them anyway. Um, but for me, because my microphone and my hearing is quite sensitive, if I'm running or there's a lot of wind, it's just really, really loud for me. And then when that happens, I can't hear anything but very loud wind noises. And the best way I can explain it is if you were to record something on your phone and there's a lot of wind and then you listen to that back, you can hear that wind on the video and that's what it's like in my ears on full blast. So for that reason, I don't wear them when I'm playing football. I wanted to talk about the fundraising because um, I was really keen to do this episode, but then we thought we better get this episode out soon because we're, we're against the deadline. Um, so the World Cup, actually, I, this is a question I've not asked either of you. When, when is the World Cup? Oh, it's uh, the 23rd of September to the 8th of October. Wow. So you set yourself a deadline by the end of June to raise 50,000. At the time of recording this, but it will go out a bit later on, we're currently at £13,000. Um, largely thanks to Stephen Gerrard and Gary Neville, they've both put £5,000 in each. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how, if there's anyone listening, so it might be just a member of the public with £5 in their pocket that they want to give it to a good cause, up to it, it may be someone that's sat there who works at a big organisation that wants to help out, wants to get involved, wants sponsorship. What what can people do to get involved, Claire? Yeah, there's probably quite a few options, really. There's the fundraising page where people can just go and donate. Um, we have, we've currently just released our sponsorship brochure which caters for a range of budgets. So if companies would like to sponsor us, they can just get in touch and have, well, I can send over the brochure to them. Um, and there will also be future opportunities to sponsor players in other ways. Um, they can hold fundraising events. Uh, someone contacted us yesterday about setting up um, something to raise money for us. Um, so there's probably loads of different ways to do it, uh, just, just down to what people would like to do, really. Well, that's great. It's um we've we've sponsored Kira. Um, so she's our player. So she's got to get a bag load of goals when she goes out to Malaysia. But it's really nice for us as a business to to be able to say, look, we've sponsored Kira. She's the player that we're backing, and to sort of have ownership's the wrong word, but just a small part of that that journey, which I know is a really personal um journey for her, is really really nice to us. In terms of, um, we're going to plaster this all over our social media, but if someone comes to this and um, wants to find your social media, what um, and on the vodcast version of this, we will put, we will, um, um, we will write all the, uh, all the handles down. We'll also put it in the description on this podcast, but just briefly, Claire, what, what are the social media channels? Because I know it's, it's GB Deaf Football that's supporting this part of the whole deaf football process. Yeah, so it's Great Britain Deaf Football that's supporting sending the squad. Um, if people just type in Great Britain Deaf Football on social media, they should be able to find our official accounts. Or even if they type in England Deaf Women's Football, I'm sure some tweets or anything will come up and they'll be able to follow us through that. Um, and then one other thing that you're trying hard to do is recruit, um, recruit players because... Um, I think I've established that if I was any good, which I'm not, I don't think I would qualify to play for England. My, my hearing is not as profound as that. But 
there may well be both men and women, by the way, called to arms for the men's team as well. Talented footballers playing in tiers of certain tiers of football who have serious um, partial deafness or, or deafness and don't actually realise that this is a possibility for them. So you are looking for players to pop up as well, is that right? Uh, so players have to be deaf in both ears uh, with their better ear being 55 decibel locks. Um, and most people don't understand why that level's been set, but 55 decibel takes you just under the speech banana. So if people haven't got their hearing aids on, they shouldn't really be able to hear speech. So it just means that everyone's on the same level playing field. Um, and that there's players out there that haven't got a clue about us. We've had um, probably about eight players registered the trials that weren't aware about us. Um, so I think that's, I think that's a great way of raising awareness and recruiting, really. And a lot of those players will be playing in, you know, the tiers of women's football. Um, you yourself are, and a lot of them be tier five, tier six, or whatever else. Which then brings me to actually away from football, but every day. You kind of alluded to it. Um, the whole point of inclusivity is people understanding the challenges that other people have, and the more we understand challenges. Um, Rose Aileen Ellis said this. I think we, uh, we will have played this on, on the podcast herself. She says about trying to meet people with different challenges halfway. Um, I got to know David Clark, the CEO of Paralympics GB, very well, is blind. And the amount I understand now about just those tiny little changes we can make to our everyday life to make people like him have a slightly easier life. And it really is no skin off our nose. But I think people that don't have those challenges quite often avoid it. And actually, I'll ask you on this one, Kira. I mean, do you find that actually, as soon as someone finds out that you're hard of hearing, do you sometimes get those little hints that you think, oh, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure I want the challenge of, of, of helping Kira or even kind of being in her orbit because it makes me feel uncomfortable that Kira has to work harder to get to where, where I get to. I think for me, it's, I understand how some people can be a bit uncomfortable, but what I want them to do, I want them to ask me questions. I want them to say to me, how can I help you? Or what can I do? Or what changes can I make to help you or support you or make it um, easier for you? Anything I would much appreciate that rather than they feel awkward or make assumptions or anything like that. I mean, I had an experience a few months ago when I was involved with some kind of activity at work, but we then had to go around to the breakout groups. And it was very, very noisy in there. There was about six or seven groups in there, very, very noisy. And then the uh, the dean of higher education came over to me and just said, it was off his own back. I didn't ask him to do it at all. He said, are you okay in this situation? You know, because obviously I know that you're uh, partially deaf. Um, but is this okay for you? Would you like to go into another room where it's a bit quieter? And I never expected that to come from him. And even though I didn't take up that offer, I was really, really pleased that he, you know, approached me and this, you know, and understood it from his perspective and just said, you know, would you like to do this? You know, because I know this is um, a bit difficult for you. To have someone actually realising, hang on a second, this is not going to be a good situation for Kira. So let's see if I can make it easier for her. And I really, really appreciated that. So for me, just, I said, I know people can feel awkward, we don't want people to feel awkward. We want people to become more aware. But it's not just the case of making them more aware. It's hoping that they will actually be proactive in it as well. Mm -hmm. 
And, and, and Claire, with the cochlear implant, because it goes around the back of your ear, people will see something like that. Um, I'll choose my words quite carefully on this, but we'll see that cochlear implant and think, oh, there's something wrong with her. Um, and therefore, they want to avoid that situation, that social interaction. They're, they're almost scared of that social interaction. Um, there's something I spoke to David about, about his blindness. Um, how much would you encourage people to engage with people that have cochlear implants? Yeah, I think I think there's probably two ways that people look at cochlear implants. Either think, oh, yeah, like you said, there's something wrong with them. But then there's also the other side where, well, they can hear them, they're cured. And the truth is, we're not cured. Even hearing aids, cochlear implants, as soon as we take them off, we're still deaf. Um, and I think the key thing is that everyone is different. So there might be somebody else that's exactly the same as me, but their needs are completely different to what I need. Um, you know, for me, if I if I had someone that knew BSL, that's great because I can understand it. Whereas somebody else who's got the same hearing loss as me doesn't know BSL, they they're not going to be able to understand. So as I think, like Kira said, it's really really important to just have a conversation. Don't be scared. We don't bite. No believe it or not, and um, just have that conversation and say, what can we do to help you? Um, and if, you, if you're struggling with communication, communication is not all about talking. There are other ways to do it, you know. Just get your phone out and, and type some notes out to communicate. It's something simple like that. we all got phones, so it's all accessible. Yeah, accessibility, that's probably the last thing to mention. I'll keep going back to my, my good friend Dave and accessibility. Um, the tech has helped him to use smartphones, laptops in the same way that, that you or I would, which is incredible for the blind community. But the same applies for the hearing community. Obviously, I'm slightly biased because I've got my own hearing loss, but I add subtitles whenever I can on social media. On this podcast, we we will auto-generate the subtitles on the vodcast for, for YouTube. Um, but making sure uh, Instagram's very good for the auto-generated subtitles. Um, so I think more and more that people can do that um, it's going to, if 11 million people have got hearing difficulties in the, in, in the UK, then you're potentially missing 20% of your audience if you're not putting subtitles on your Instagram content. And, um, content, and that's absolutely crucial. Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. I think as well with subtitles, it's not just for deaf people. There's people that might be on transport that don't want to have the volume on and they just want to be able to know what's being said. Um, so that as well, my mum's a foster carer and the children read the subtitles on telly. It's helping them with their reading. So, you know, they're, they're not deaf, but they're using it and it's helping them in a different way. So I think, you know, captions are so crucial in various aspects. Now, as we've heard, those that play deaf football have profound hearing loss. But there is an important point in the stat that 11 million people in the UK are struggling with hearing loss. Many of those people uh, don't have profound hearing loss. They don't need cochlear implants or use sign language or all the other challenges that we associate with deaf people. For many, like me, it means that we're, we're simply missing out on conversations or interactions. Uh, we're retreating into our shells. We're missing opportunities. We're not doing things that we would ordinarily have done because we've got well, a fear. We're not able to hear exactly what's going on. Now, that leads to a lack of social interaction, a loss of confidence, uh, an impact on mental health. And, and I'm passionate that we should talk more about hearing loss. And those of us that are suffering should grasp the nettle, get tested, get hearing aids and get on with life. So I wanted to speak to someone who's had relatively similar experiences to me. 
Emma Beckett is a professional footballer. She's also a successful entrepreneur. She runs a leading software testing and quality assurance consultancy. She's played for London Bees, for Tottenham Hotspur, for Watford. Recently, she played out in Norway with Amazon Grimstad. Now, she's had hearing difficulties a long time, since she was 19 years of age. But it's only now in her 30s she's taken the plunge and she's got herself hearing aids. Um, so, sadly, I had a car accident. I was passenger um, to an accident in a residential area. Um, you think it's, you know, given all the kind of speed limits and things like that, you think, you know, all the safety precautions, it's not going to be too too bad and long story short it was um, a car accident I was in the passenger seat um, sadly a drunk driver kind of bounced off the curb in front of me and and again we were I think probably going we'd, we'd actually had to break because a cat ran across the road and I'm a big animal fiend and I kind of see it as a bit of a almost a blessing in disguise so we were going slower than 30 um, the car hits us head on I watched the whole thing um, I, I remember I remember it like it was yesterday and, and it's obviously again I won't um kind of give details on my age away but it was you know some time ago now um but I remember my friend the driver screaming and next thing you know full impact I saw the car crumple um and I think I kind of remember feeling pain in various parts of my body um I came to actually I was kind of in my friend's words I was slumped over the dash um the airbag had popped um I couldn't hear anything um the seatbelt luckily I mean had done its job but it ripped away from the wall and I was kind of centimeters you know from going through the windscreen um I, I saw um I saw the the kind of view in front of me I saw the radiator of the car I didn't know at the time steaming up and I just thought given the nature of the impact I thought the car was going to combust so before I knew it, I jumped out of the car, I was pulling my friend away and um, I'd, I'd actually seen that the door of the other car was open and I thought they'd done a runner and um, the, the kind of uh, judicial part of me wanted to kind of make sure that that was all kind of dealt with. And long story short, I'd, you know, went to hospital, had different fractures in my body, my sternum being the main one. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I, I was told time and time again that the hearing on my ear would return. Um, they looked, there was damage done to my left ear. Um, and yeah, the rest is kind of history on that. I remember thinking, you know, I'd had bone breaks before and I remember just thinking, God, I just can't wait to be back playing football. I don't want to be out. I just want to be playing football as, as much as I can. You know, it, I, I hated it. And for me, football's always been an out um so taking time out to kind of recuperate slightly and it was only a couple of weeks so you know me being me I, I don't think it, many people could have stopped me at that point um but one thing I did notice was my hearing actually didn't return to the level that it was um one of the things that I can remember doing is watching subtitles and using subtitles to watch tv um pretty much from the outset after the incident um I didn't actually realize it was as bad as it was in terms of hearing until I was kind of laying down on my ear and someone's trying to get my attention and, and thought I'd purposely ignored them. Um, and it sounds daft to say now, but, it, but genuinely I couldn't hear a thing. So when I'm lying on my good ear, yeah, it's, it's kind of muffled and muted. I don't know if it's similar in, in your kind of. Well, for me, it's across both ears. And it was really interesting hearing you talk about um, those early stages where you, you would have been on just within those first few minutes at least almost completely deaf or everything would have been blurred out and I, and I think of, of moments in my life when um after a long-haul flight 
um, I will go really, really, really deaf and and, I, and I'll panic if it doesn't come back within 24 hours. And sometimes it does take that long. Um, I have I have flu this year, um, quite a bad one, and my hair kind of filled up. And um, I was really concerned that, that my hearing wasn't going to come back in the same way um, that it was. Um, but it is, it's across on, on both ears. Uh, both losses is pretty, pretty similar in that respect. Um, I, so you gradually improved, but it didn't come back enough in one ear. And by the way, that's why you wouldn't qualify to play for the England deaf women's team. You have to have profound deafness in both ears. And it's minus 55 decibels in your strongest ear, I think is the rule. So there we go. Um, so it was though, but it was, you use that anecdote of, of lying down and, and ignoring someone, uh, or not ignoring someone, not deliberately at least. So the story goes. Yeah, so the story goes. Well, it's funny because... My, I, I always remember my dad said so my mum has bad hearing loss and and and, um, and her dad, my granddad, had it. And my dad always used to say to me, well, your granddad hears what he wants to hear sometime. <laughs> and now I am a bit older and my hearing's got worse and worse and worse. Um, I want to go back to that and say, no, that's not true, dad. <laughs> Genuinely, you find yourself zoning, zoning out and not being able to engage. And yeah. those social situations that you miss were a real problem for me and was that I know there was that one incident there but did you find yourself avoiding social situations because you are and I'm sure you'll be embarrassed me saying this you're a pretty charismatic individual um but did you find yourself not wanting to be that charismatic individual when you were in those environments particularly in busy rooms because I really struggle in busy rooms you want to avoid conversations because you're so scared that you won't hear what the person said and you'll say the wrong thing back or you just embarrass yourself yeah, totally. Um, I, th I think for me, after the accident, you know, you go through the whole insurance rigmarole. Um, and again, I was a witness to, to everything that kind of went on. And I had to kind of give my kind of side of accounts, you know, and, and I know a lot of people would generally, you know, not not everyone, of course, but people aren't always honest. Um, for me, I just wanted it all dealt with all out of the way so I can go back to football. Um and, you know, sadly from there, I've, I've actually had a back injury that's kind of plagued me, you know, not not to the point where I can't play football, but it's something I've always had to manage. Um, and in a similar vein with my hearing, I've, you know, for, for over a decade and a bit now, I kind of just have the old, you know, probably a bit like yourself initially, you, you're almost a bit embarrassed to admit. And I just said, oh, I've got hearing problems, you know, I am deaf. And, you know, I, at that point, I'd, I'd seen different physicians, different medical practitioners. And I was actually pushed away a few times because of my age. So I'd gone in my kind of early twenties and said, look, my hearing's not quite right. And to the point where I am now, I had um, to kind of give a bit more context to the story. I'd had um, a hearing, it got to a point where I, I, it was honestly ridiculous. Like I, like I knew there was a hearing issue there, but I just put it down to, aging and and you know just a car accident I had some time ago you know and, and I just kind of um, played it off really and I had um, an initial test you know that you can get free of charge at you know spec savers even you know I think we'll come on to it I'm sure but um, when in terms of eye health you know people will go to the opticians regularly but actually how many people have had a, a recent hearing test so it got to a point where I couldn't ignore it anymore went to went to get a hearing test and it was actually a really cold, um, cold moment. I, I went to this, I went, you know, I, I'm sure for anyone that's not had one recently, you kind of sit in a booth, you have your big all encompassing headphones on and you have a little button that you press whenever you can hear a beep. Um, so it will kind of hit your different, sorry, different decibels. So it will kind of go high to low to different ear and both ears. And it will kind of 
keep you on your toes and anyway I came out and like there was bits and I you know you question I don't, I don't know if this is the same for you Matt but I'm in the room and I'm thinking is that a beep like is that I don't know uh, anyway I'm you know hoping for the best and I'm to the point where I've actually closed my eyes to try and drill down and hone in on my hearing senses um you know we've spoken about this Matt but we obviously rely on lip reading you know I, I, I kind of count myself quite fortunate and in, in that it's not you know to the point where you know I, I wouldn't qualify for England deaf team um but but it, it's still an impairment and you know and that's something that I probably wrongly play down and anyway I came out of the um appointment with um with the kind of audiologist at the time and he said oh yeah you do have a hearing problem your left ear is substantially worse and you're right it's actually moderate across the board moderate um hearing loss so you can either go private you can do this you can go to the NHS and that's that and I was kind of given this piece of paper that said you know had my graphs on um, to show where my hearing loss was but it was considering I'd finally had confirmation of something that had been rumbling on since I was 19 it was quite a cold moment um and I actually got quite upset coming out of you know out of the um the um the room and and just kind of dealing with that moment all on my own really and anyway it was kind of nice you know once the kind of dust had settled from that I kind of appreciated that actually like I had a I had an, an answer to it now you know I was almost vindicated from saying, oh, playing it down. I, oh, yeah, not deaf. I can't hear that. And actually, no, I there is an impairment and to the point where I do need a hearing aid now. Um, and back to your question, in terms of the social situations, it's something prior to the hearing test, um, and there is a point, I promise, prior to mm. the hearing test, I would just play it down and just roll with the punches and, and just be like, you know, you lean in and you have to really like if I if I'm in a club you know a dark room or if I'm in a bar and I really have to kind of put my good ear into the mix and kind of tweak it just so I can still read lips but still kind of hear as much as I can and I I almost in that situation my left ear is almost redundant yeah and I and I kind of really do find myself lucky in terms of the hearing that I've lost it's not I've, I've been fortunate to have good hearing and you know now things have changed and that's that yeah but okay. Well, Claire, sorry, Claire and Kira were talking about isolation. It's quite nice for you and I to sit here and, and know that our hearing loss is not as bad as theirs. And they talk yeah. about isolation. Um, and I think you and I, people in our position, we will feel isolation in circumstances. You mentioned a bar that um, if I go to a drinks event with work and there's, you know, people stood around holding drinks and gathering around and about a million conversations, it's that's my idea of hell. But, you know, put me up on stage, everyone's got to listen to what I've got to say, then I'm, then I'm happy. But if you put me down in the mum's hat room, all those conversations buzzing around, that's where I feel totally isolated, I feel useless, I feel stupid. And it's strange to use phrases like that because actually the fact is I've got hearing loss and there's nothing wrong with that. And the one thing that I've really found with the hearing aids actually one positive one negative the positive thing is I use it as a conversation tool so I give presentations to academy football players for example academy football players not known for their enunciation and speaking clearly so if any of them says anything in an interactive session I'll walk towards them and I'll say I'm really sorry I'm hard of hearing but yeah. by the way I need them to actually identify themselves at that point so I'm scouring the room at that point who said that yeah. Um, I'll then point at my ears and I might just whip them out and show them what I'm wearing hearing aids and it's almost as if I'm saying see I'm not lying I really um, am yeah, lying. Yeah. but the other negative thing I was going to say about hearing aids I think is important for people that don't have hearing loss to know or actually people that do but haven't got hearing aids yet is it is an aid it helps you to pick up clarity of speech it helps you to hear a bit more 
but what it gives you is a totally artificial sound and i hate the sound i hate wearing my hearing aids and my family get really annoyed with me because I, I, I tend to not wear them around the house because I can just ask my kids and my wife to repeat themselves over and over again or because I recognise their voices a lot. I don't yeah. find them as difficult to understand. Um, but it's not a pleasant thing. And actually, I'm, I'm looking at you. I can't see whether or not you're wearing a, a pair. Are you, are you wearing a pair at the moment? Have you got quite a No, one? I do. Um, yeah, I'll, um, I'll kind of take it out there. Yeah, you can see it kind of unfurling from my ear now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I um I kind of have the single one that yeah. I, I wear now. Funnily enough, I'm exactly the same. Um when I'm around friends and family at home, um, I don't um I don't kind of wear them at all. And again, I can attest to everything you said. And I, I kind of feel a bit embarrassed, you know, for me. I've I've actually only been wearing mine for probably a couple of months now. So um I had a very quick turnaround with the NHS um on going through my official NHS audiology appointment to where I'm at now you know I, I had a real converse situation to the the story I just told about um going to the high street um hearing test that I went through and the guy actually this lovely doctor just gave me the biggest hug and just said don't worry we'll kind of step you through every part of the process and I'd I'd kind of gone through I'd finally got my hearing aid and you know back to your point about being in, in rooms and when I wear it when I'm I don't know if people know this, but I didn't. Um, there are different profiles that you can set alongside your hearing aid. So when you go into restaurants and even concert venues, some venues will have um, like a loop that you can join and, and kind of it makes everything a little more easy. And, and again, I, I'm a complete novice to this still at this point. And I find it really hard still, as you said, the artificial sound for me is something that I'm still getting used to and I'm not sure I ever will, if I'm honest, um, but actually trying to dial into what people are still saying and it, it's tough. Like I, I would choose to, there was a point where actually I didn't want to be in social settings because I, like, I have to go to business events and meet people, you know, and I'm sure in a similar way that you do, you know, when you mentioned there, meeting meet academy kids and, I, it sounds terrible but I'll have to lean in and really kind of stare at someone and I you you know I don't know if it's the same for you maybe just me um but they kind of give me a look like you're okay you're a bit weird you're and I just think well while that is probably true um you know it's I'm leaning in because I can't hear you and, I, <laughs> and I'm at the point now where I'm not embarrassed and I will say I'm really sorry like I've got a little bit of a hearing impediment um you know I'm just trying to kind of listen in you know please don't think I'm odd or call the police um but it's it's just kind of getting used to that setting. And I'm I'm very fortunate now that I've got a partner that is so kind and, and supportive and, and will actually I don't I don't I don't think in 18 months has been I don't know if I can say that word, but has been frustrated with me once that I've I've asked her to, to repeat herself. It's it's so difficult to just kind of like it's it's taken a while of acceptance actually, and it's probably only been in the last two months where I've actually had um verification that I do have a hearing problem and it's not just age or something else I put it down to well that, that comes with some some good advice so um if you are with someone whether in a relationship or whatever else that has hearing problems patience really is key but I think people like you and I and anyone else with hearing loss do know that it is frustrating I know it's really frustrating for my wife you know it's frustrating for your partner that they can't hear all the time. And they do, and actually that one time they're allowed to lose their patience is when I'm lazy and I don't put my hearing aids in, that's fair enough. Like my kids saying, dad, put your hearing aids in, that is a regular soundtrack in our house. But that level of patience is important because you talked about embarrassment and shame. 
it's one of the real unfortunate parts of the human condition is that we feel such shame and embarrassment about so many things mm. we think people are judging us all the time but the fact is everyone's just getting on with their own little battles and right. all those people you know the conference you would have been at would have um would have probably walked away thinking well look either emma knows her stuff or she doesn't and if they did pick up that you seemed weird at a certain point they would have forgotten in five minutes because we're not that important actually people aren't thinking about how weird we acted at a conference or uh, when i was presenting the academy kids etc um and that kind of self-importance we have too much we shouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed about any condition that we have whether it be hearing loss or whatever else and i think that's one of the most important lessons yeah i think so i think just to add to that it's you know I'm, it's the same for you you know you see like when you kind of approach a room like I think people see you on face value and think okay well you're relatively young why are you kind of leaning in in such a way why are you staring at my mouth and it's you know you know as probably good looking as these people are it's not about that it's, it's just the fact that gosh I've and it's probably been something that I haven't even really appreciated that I really do kind of read for jest um so my my hearing impediment is really that I I miss the first letter of a word so if someone kind of says a long sentence and reads for Jess, um, I'm sorry, speaks for Jess, I can probably kind of cajole bits and pieces together and make sense of it. Mm. If, if it's kind of really short, snippy answers from someone I've never met before, um, you know, it does make it quite difficult. And then I get a little more self, um, sorry, uh, self-aware of, of kind of, oh no, they kind of know that I'm asking to repeat themselves. I know how that feels, that's rubbish. And yet here I am. And it's just, it kind of goes in this loop for me where, I'm starting to abandon the shame element, but it's it's still that kind of uncomfortable moment where you're having to still ask people to repeat themselves. They kind of look at you a bit funny and you kind of almost have to break the ice and just go whole hog anyway. Well, that's, that's what I said about, you know, when I work with the hearing aids, that, that really helps me, helps in the embarrassment element. I mean, you said about look, staring at the mouth, you're absolutely right. And I found myself in those social situations staring at someone's mouth. And you, you're right. You think, oh, my God, this person's going to think I'm a bloody pervert or something. <laughs> and then the flip of that is I hate getting taxis yeah. because you can't see the driver's mouth. And the driver will be, if you've got a chatty driver, um, I, I'd be crestfallen to think that the driver doesn't think I can understand. And particularly if he's got an, an accent, I go up to Liverpool a hell of a lot. Um, yeah. and in fact, I'm quite good with a Scouts accent because I spend a lot of time up there. But when he wants to talk to me about how the blues and the reds are doing or whatever else, and I can't see his mouth moving, I have to. I, I mean, there's probably a limit. I think two times is the maximum you can ask someone to repeat themselves. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's certainly bad. The third time is you just guess what they said and try to provide some kind of answer. And that was a life that you and I were living before we got hearing aids. And I think that's probably the important lesson from our experiences: is get the hearing aid sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, I guess that explains why your Uber score is probably quite low. Um, you know, it's uh, in terms of manner and, and feedback. Yeah, gosh, it's it's difficult. There are certain situations like for me, um, and I, I'm sure you can attest to this, but when face masks were a thing, oh. I was uh, it was like all the best, you know, finger in the air, just just all the best. And, and, and again, I found that particularly hard. And it's probably something I've forgotten until this until you mentioned about the taxi example. Um, but it was so difficult to, you know, and you can see eyes moving and, you know, you can think, OK, well, I, going by the eyes and reading body language, they're in a good space. But you just think, gosh, I'm really just guessing at this point. Um, just one fun thing I wanted to ask you. Um, so in a business context, um, like many of the girls that played in the championship or wherever else, you've combined football with business and you run your own business, Fortitude 17. Mm -hmm. Um 
Well, I, what's really interesting about that is obviously your 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 hearing didn't inhibit your ability to form relationships in football because I think you run the business and you actually employ quite a lot of female footballers or, or former female footballers. So I kind of wonder whether you could sort of talk to us about that and and, and your business and and uh, well whether or not your hearing impacts that at all. Correct. Yeah, I do. Um, so I've I've been a single uh, person limited company for a number of years and. I worked for the entirety of the pandemic and came out of that um, very much needing a break, very much needing to reset. And I'd said, I'm going to set myself, set aside, sorry, six months at least to kind of recuperate and feel okay again. Um, and again, no kind of shame in that at all. It was a really necessary evil. And it got to the point where I thought, right, as much as I love what I'm doing, I'm never going to scale and grow the company, which is what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be a business owner. And I would say that, you know, for some reason I've always had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit I've always wanted to kind of break the ceiling on things and whatever um, you know whatever I choose to do and I'm very fortunate you know people say don't mix business and pleasure and for me I've god why would I not I, I I've hired in some incredible former and current teammates that you know have in, incredible talents and for me football then probably, you know, in a similar facet, you, you've got kind of ex-footballers or involved in your business, you know, and I'm sure you can attest to this, but I I think, gosh, why would you not? Like, we have people that have, like, the highest standards that are played at the highest level, that have achieved incredible things, that are disciplined and ambitious. You know, for me, they're assets to a company. Um, and, and I can understand, you know, where there's difficulties and in the personal relationships you still have with these people you know I'm, I'm very lucky that they're friends too it, it's kind of where do you draw the line and where does Bex the boss switch off versus Bex the friend you know and and I think just before I kind of pass it I want to kind of talk about football and how my hearing's impacted that um, I wouldn't say it's impacted in a business capacity apart from when I'm in events and when I'm first introduced and meeting people and leaning in like a weirdo but um yeah it's from when I'm in a huge horse I can you've, you've been to Watford you've seen the training ground and one of the examples I can think of quite readily is um has been in that dome and, and the echo that's in there and I'm as, as I've got older you know it's and again it's probably come with confidence I will walk when there's a demo in the session so I can understand it and particularly when we're talking about tactics because of the person I am as a player I'll be someone that communicates and organizes I will kind of pay extra attention and listen in more than probably most people you know just because of who I am as a player and probably a person and it's got to the point in the last five ten years I would actually walk closer to the demo so I could understand it but if I've got a coach that's kind of yeah no, 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 I just think oh my god I'm not you know and it, I, I've had coaches that have you know not kind of um kind of bashing them at all because they didn't know as I didn't know at that point but they would kind of think, oh, is Beck taking the piss here, asking to repeat? And, and I just think for such a long time, it's because it's because I didn't have a hearing aid. I therefore didn't have a hearing loss. You know, it was kind of they kind of almost went hand in hand. And that's probably one of the most difficult situations. And even communicating, you know, when I'm trying to shout across a, a football pitch and, and organize a group of people, obviously you're under some part you know some duress at that point you know you're under time constraints and everything's going on around you but the way I communicate and, and how loud I communicate at times probably doesn't fit the bill to a normal hearing person just because I, I you know it's kind of I mean I know you understand it but trying to kind of explain, explain and convey that message outside of our conversation 
it's, it's quite hard to gauge I guess like it's yeah. you, you know the levels and stuff like I've for a long time my friends have said Bex you just mumble you know when I'm talking like this or in a in an event I can enunciate and speak what I believe to be clearly you know to tell me if I'm wrong but um when I'm chatting to friends they're like god you mumble the most and I've you know after speaking to audiologists and said they said yeah that's probably down to your hearing you know you've not if you can't hear the first letter of, of words you're saying you know you probably think you're being clear as anything and actually mm-hmm. my friends are just like gosh Bex you know and the, the joke is now you know god amongst friends are like the way when you talk we'll we'll take your hearing aid you know that'll be uh that'll set the world right but uh yeah thanks very much for um let me share that last bit about football oh that's no real pleasure Look, i really appreciate you um sharing your experience it means it obviously means a lot to me because i've had similar experiences i won't go on about my sunday football and i can't hear what the refs say and all my teammates or anything else so thank you so much for your time Bex. it's really appreciated absolutely my pleasure anytime thank you Thank you so much to Emma and also thank you to Claire and to Kira for sharing their stories. If you think you can help the England deaf women's football team, then all the details will be in the description of this podcast uh, and we'll be sharing them on our own social media or indeed search GB Deaf Football on social media. And if you've been impacted by hearing loss, I'm really keen to hear from you. You can find me on social media at Matt Hemsworth, search for me on LinkedIn or you can email B5 info at B5consultancy.com. I'm so keen to continue the conversation about hearing loss impacts lives, uh, in sport, in business, or wherever else. It impacts not only that one in five people that have hearing loss, but it impacts those around them as well. If I can do something to uh, improve understanding, bringing people together, showcasing fantastic stories, then I'd really love to do that. Thank you for your time, and thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Football Journeys. You can follow us on social media on both Twitter and Instagram at Journeys Pod. This is Football Journeys.